Good morning. My name is uh, David Greenhaw. I'm an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ and serving as an interim senior minister here at Naples United Church of Christ. It is really, really good to see you this morning and really good to have all of you join us this morning. This morning, I uh, usually have a different partner up here. Uh, Angela has insisted that she's not on vacation. She's parenting in another state. Uh, I thought that an interesting way to describe uh, uh, young children's parenting with their one-year-old and three-year-old, but is not with us in worship uh, today. But today, I'm very fortunate to have with me in worship and sharing in the leadership today, Jeannie Schnedeker. Uh, Jeannie is uh, going to tell you about herself in just a moment, but uh, I've been working with her just forever, you know, just a week, and it's wonderful. So, uh, Jeannie, uh, welcome. Uh, I thank you. I am Jeannie Snedeker, and we are longtime members of this church, and I have just joined the staff this week as the interim director for Christian education, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Today is Communion Sunday, and uh, I just want to say a word about communion. It turns out that this is not our table at all. This is not our liturgy. This is Christ's table and Christ's liturgy. And therefore, it doesn't really matter who we think should be able to come or not come. It really matters who Jesus thinks should come to the table. And I'm relatively certain that Jesus would like everybody who wants to come. Everybody. Everybody who hungers and thirsts can have a place at the table. So we will worship together today and have communion, and uh, it will be served to you. And there are some directions about that in the bulletin that you can do, and the ushers and deacons will help us do that. So, uh, Jeannie, uh, you have something to say about what we do today. I do. Everyone is joining us today for communion. So if you have children with you today, we invite them uh, to stay in worship for uh, our communion Sunday. And if they're small and you would like some uh, activities to help occupy them, there are bags in the narthex. You're welcome to utilize those. We will resume Sunday school next week. Um, my first week with them, which I'm looking forward to. And there will be a special blessing of their backpacks. We're starting a new school year this week. And so we invite children uh, who are here today, if you're worshiping online but would like to join us next week here in the sanctuary, please bring your backpacks and we'll have a special blessing uh, to start our new year. Great. Thank you, Jeannie. Um, And now I hope that you'll take a moment and uh, register your attendance with us. Uh, For those here uh, in the sanctuary, please uh, find the, I think it's blue, registration pad. And uh, register your attendance and then pass it down the the row. Um, If you're online, uh, please use uh, the comment or chat section to be able to uh, tell us that you're there and where you're worshiping from. Uh, I think I'm at the bottom of my list. I have two more things that I want to announce. One, it is Cans for Communion Sunday. So if you've 
came into church and left the cans in the car. Don't forget to go get them and bring them out. Uh, it's hot in Florida. Let's bring them in and uh, share. Uh, it's a great thing we do every communion Sunday to share those. And this morning, uh, there's one small adjustment to the order of worship. Uh, due to uh, not feeling well and a little illness, uh, one of our oboists is not here this morning. So uh, we don't go solo, though. Uh, Andrew Snedeker is going to play. But uh, it turns out that this Snedeker family's got a, uh, a backup plan. And so uh, uh, Aaron uh, Snedeker Applegate uh, is, going to, uh, is going to join also on the oboe uh, in the stead of Stephen. So uh, it's not really the Snedeker show. It's worship of God. So let us, <laughs> let us continue as we do that. Thank you. God knows us and our hungers. God loves us like a father, nurtures us like a mother, and draws us together as the people of God. And it is as the people of God, knowing this about God, that we shall now gather and worship. Please be seated and join us in our invocation, which you can find printed in your bulletin. Eternal God, companion of all who seek you and seeker of all who turn away from you, draw near to us that we may draw near to you and grant us the grace to love and to serve you that we may find in your will our true freedom through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's join together in prayer. Dear God, oh God, we pray this day in gratitude for the little things, the, the manifold kindnesses that have come our way, the silly, simple, little things. We give thanks for the bagger at the grocery store who has every reason to care less about who we are or what we're doing, but takes just a moment to look us in the eye, make a genuine offer to help and give us a tiny little smile. We give thanks for the break in the clouds and the powerful streaming of sunshine, even though it is just for a moment and another bank of clouds roll through and the thunder and lightning start again. We give thanks for the silly, simple signs of hope. We see a child playing exuberantly, oblivious to the troubles of the world, chasing a ball or dodging a touch in a game of tag or scooping sand on the beach. It, it is so small, nearly nothing, but in such small things, O oh God, as this are the reassurance that life goes on. 
It goes on and it goes on with joy. Oh, God, we give you thanks for the assurance that life and joy are still strong and can be found. We, we give you thanks that the little things because, become such banners of hope for us. Because as you know so well, many of the big things Well, we fret about them. We worry and have our doubts if it will all work out. Oh God, we give you thanks for the little things. A taste of bread a sip of juice, a world of promise, the possibility of hope. Oh, God, we give you thanks. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. So, uh, Warren, that's with an I, Warren, my brother-in-law, when I first met him, he was driving a yellow Mustang, I think. Yellow is a terrible color for a car. It gets dirt on it always, and Warren did not tolerate dirt on any of his cars. As long as I've known Warren, every car was spotless. We were camping down in southwest Missouri, and he drove his car down a dirt road and parked it. But before he greeted anyone, he got a rag out and dusted down and cleaned up that car. Lauren played softball with a vengeance. You know, he was, I figured out his body type one time because I was sitting next to him in church, and he was all top, no legs. He was a little bit taller than me, but if you sat down, you'd think he was a monster. He was so big on the top part, and it made him an odd softball player. His friends called him Pear, and that was spelled P-E-A-R. And I think it was because, well, he kind of looked like a pear. Lauren's teammates loved him. And he took that passion for softball and games and became a coach to beat the band. Hundreds of young boys learned to play baseball and softball from Lauren. He coached in the program called Three and Two. And he would meet with the kids and he would take them as they are and build them into a team whether they won or not. He made them love the game, and love each other. Warren had fair skin, and it cost him a little because he developed malignant melanoma. You know, the cause of that is really clear. It's just the sun. He got malignant melanoma. He was treated for it, and after five years, he was declared cancer-free. It was cause for celebration. Three months later, it came back with a vengeance and spread throughout his entire body. We gathered that summer to camp in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and Warren was upbeat. It was bottom of the eighth, but he was still going to pull out a victory on this game. He was fighting hard, and they would have no talk of sadness. But I felt sadness because he wasn't doing well, and the prospects weren't great. We lived in Pennsylvania at the time. He lived in Kansas City. My sister and their three children, two in college and one going into high school. And that one was an odd one because he didn't play baseball. He played football, for goodness sakes. A family disgrace. (laughs) 
We returned from Rocky Mountain National Park, and when we got home, it was horrible because the signs of the disease got worse and the prospects got thinner, and I found myself helpless and nearly hopeless, sitting out there in Pennsylvania, not able to get back, not able to do anything but make an occasional phone call, not, not able to do anything. And I found myself just longing to do something. I, I wanted him to get better. I wanted it so bad I could taste it. I wanted it so bad it, it caused me to hurt. I longed for him to do better. I was just... And it was out of my reach and out of my control. It was... Frustrating. I just long so much to be useful, to be helpful, to be hopeful. I just longed. In the fall, the last game for the football season, Lauren. All the seniors were out there. Lauren got up and walked as best he was able onto the football field with all the parents. You know how this goes. Every kid he ever coached was there. And they all knew it was the end. And they gave him such a round of applause. By Thanksgiving, he was dead. Here's the thing. I learned something from Warren's death that I didn't really know before, and maybe you already knew it, that there is this thing in us where we long for something, we want something, we want it to be better. We want it so bad and it hurts that it isn't and we can taste it, we long for it, we desire it, we, we want to do something about it and we're so often helpless. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe one of your kids is in a disastrous situation and there's not much of anything you can do but you still long for it you haven't quit wanting it to happen you keep desiring that it happen you keep longing for it or or maybe you're like me in these days i find increasingly that i really long for the world to be better for children i just not just my own children but Every child, it just makes me sick that there are children whose situation is so threatened and I I long for it to be better. So much so that it hurts. Nearly physically. Do you know what I mean? That longing... So there's one thing you can do when you long and it doesn't work. You can learn to avoid longing. You can learn to shut it down, to quit caring, to turn it off, to say, I can't 
invest that much in it anymore. It's too much. I, I just can't do it because I'm not sure what I can do about it. I'm just going to shut down. But the story today in the book of Hebrews, this letter, it's about exactly the opposite. People who hoped for something they were not able to fully get. They had faith for things they could not yet see. They did not know how it would end. Or knowing how it would end, they knew that wasn't the end. They still had hope for something beyond the visible. They had faith. Faith is hope for things not yet seen. And I hate it because I want to see it. I'm from Missouri after all. I want to see it. I want it to be fixed. But it does not always happen the way I want it. Here's bad news for you. It does not always happen the way you want it. But we are a people of faith. And as a people of faith, we have some sense. I hope you do. I do from time to time. Sometimes I doubt. But we have little signs that that there is something more yet. There are possibilities that have not yet been exhausted. There are still things to come. There are ways that things can happen that are incredible still. There are signs and wonders that happen that lead us beyond and allow us to hope to be in faith even if we cannot see it. Abraham left his home and headed out for a new land, it says in Hebrews. He had no idea where he was going, nor did he fully get there in his lifetime. But God was up to more. God is up to more. More things come than what we yet see. Faith is longing and hoping and praying and waiting and ever so often getting a round of applause at a football game, being appreciated for what there is. In this, we may hope. Amen. Faith abounds. Hope abounds. Don't stop longing long away. Long, long, long for a better day. Hope abounds because great is thy faithfulness. Amen.